Hey everyone, I'm Justin Moranti. And I'm Jared Moranti, and you're listening to The Wild Loop. Don't forget to check out our website at thewildloop.net, where you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as our email address. Send us your comments, and we may read them on air during our listener comment segment. Reach out to us to let us know you're listening, and you can become part of the show. We are back with another episode of uh, The Wild Loop, and uh, just to start off the show, kind of related to the topic for this week, but uh, I did order one of the new uh, iPhone 12 minis, so I've used, um, like, back when these phones started getting larger, um, there was a period where, like, Android was the only one doing the larger phones. And I switched to Android for a couple of years because I was kind of tired of how small the iPhones were. Uh, and it just felt like it couldn't do much or like they were, they were really small back then. So I used Android for a couple of years and then the iPhone 5 came out, which um, <laughs> was actually released on the day of our sister's wedding. Uh, <laughs> so I remember because it was like this big thing. I was trying to get a hold of one before I went to her wedding. It was kind of ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the iPhone 5 came out and they were they were bigger uh, than the previous one. So I kind of moved back at that point. And ever since the new ones came out every year, like when they released bigger ones, I kept going larger and larger. Uh, and I got kind of tired of that. So when the iPhone 11 came out, they had the 11 Pro and the Pro Max. I went with the smaller size. Thinking like, oh, is this gonna be, you know, large enough? Because I was used to the eight plus, which was bigger, and it was fine. And I've just, I've been thinking like, I don't want to use this thing so much. I would like to reduce how much I'm using it, and maybe something that fits in the pocket a little nicer. So this year they released the iPhone 12 Mini, which is only supposed to be a little bit bigger, I think, than the old iPhone 5. Uh, so I thought I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see. We'll see if I can uh, get by with the smaller size and just hopefully not use it as much. But Have I'm kind you... of excited about that because I'm yeah. just downsizing yeah. like an old person. So <laughs> Have you, have you um, opened it up at all? Or, or uh, do well, you have it yet? No, no, no. It's going to oh. show up in a couple of days. So by you. the time this airs, I should have it. Um, it's supposed to show up on Friday. So. Okay. Two days, two days. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited to try that. So, but that's kind of related to what we're talking about today. And maybe, you know what, um, let's see. Yeah, maybe in the next show, I'll, I'll be able to give like a quick review of what I think or something. Because we have talked about the iPhone 12s in a yeah. past episode. Yeah. So we'll be able to do like a quick hands-on. I remember uh, this, saying we, we wanted yeah. the, mini, the Mini out of the, uh, the ones that they presented yeah, I, the I, mini seemed to be the best one. Yeah, like it's it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting thing. So, <laughs> sounds like you got a lot of notes over there. Oh, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's got a whole book going on. Yeah, uh, I know. I got something here somewhere. Yeah. No. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so for our topic this week, because I was mentioning it's related, uh, Apple just, uh, and again, this is being recorded on a Wednesday, we know we release on a Monday, but yesterday was the um, reveal of the new Apple uh, Silicon 
based max, which we've kind of talked about in the past. Um, gosh, I think even some of the early, like very early shows, we talked about the potential for this because it's been kind of known for a while and been speculated about for even longer, like many, many years. So they finally revealed what their what their first Max are going to be, um, and it's like a MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and a Mac Mini, but they all use the um, the same chip, which is interesting. And the only difference is that the Pro and the Mini are adding a fan. So I'm assuming that they're gonna be able to be clocked a little bit higher, so be able to run a little faster, but. I think they're going to essentially have all very similar performance. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what's interesting is um, there's a a benchmark called Geekbench that's kind of a, um, I don't know if I'd call it the standard, but kind of close to that just in terms of measuring CPU performance. Mm-hmm. And it looks like some of the scores have leaked out. Uh, for some of these devices, and they look really impressive. So uh, we'll we'll come back to that. But um, a lot of things to go over, I think, just because there's a lot of different ramifications. There's performance stuff. There's pricing. There's configurability. There's um, you know what it means for I, I guess for Intel really uh, what it means for Windows machines because a lot of things are going to change all at once and you know what's gonna like it's just gonna be very different ecosystems now because before and for many many years how what has it been like 20 years or something they've been on intel mm-hmm. maybe not that long maybe like 15 i don't remember when the switch was it might be like 15 you really had like a direct comparison to windows machines because they all use the same parts um, and before that, Max used PowerPC, and they were getting dusted by Intel, which is kind of the reason they made the switch to begin with. But now we're seeing another change. So we're going to be back to very different machines, um, and I'm really excited, personally. I'm kind of a hardware nerd, so I'm really looking forward to checking some of these things out. Um hmm I don't know if I'd buy one of these first ones, but uh, do you have any initial thoughts or on what you saw? Um, not, not uh, anything profound. I mean, it, the uh, definitely seems like they are a lot more powerful. Yeah. Uh, faster, obviously. The M1 is said something like 11 trillion operations per second. <laughs> Yeah, that's which is just uh, unfathomable, unfathomable. Um, I was going to ask you about that, like uh, because it is unfathomable, right? (laughs) What what does that even? uh, I mean, how could there be any wait time ever with anything with that much uh, power? But so yeah, that's a. Well, you might have just come up with a a whole episode topic uh, (laughs) with that question because there's a lot of discussion on uh, Twitter um, among certain programmers that are well-known, I'll put it that way, that uh, that complain about stuff like 
we've had so many advancements in hardware and software still feels slow. Hmm. And the idea is that, uh, like, you know, programmers and programmers in general are not as good as they used to be because they don't have to be. Hmm. Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if like, if I agree with that, some of these guys really come across as very negative, just about everything which mm-hmm. is not a viewpoint I like to have. Like, I, it's just kind of weird to, like, I don't know. If you felt that way about your work, like, why would you want to do it? I don't know. It's just kind of strange. But just, like, real downer on the quality of, of um, software engineering today, which I, partially I can see their point. But So I guess the idea is that um, this, like, hardware has just improved at this insane rate. And yeah, like stuff doesn't, stuff can actually feel slower than it used to, right? Because like Windows XP and all those older uh, operating systems would theoretically feel faster than the modern stuff, but they ran on, you know, 486 machines or Pentiums or whatever, Mm -hmm. which are a fraction of what we have today. So, you know, one of the comments that they made in that, um, in the Mac presentation video was just how fast everything felt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to try. I don't need a new laptop right now. I don't need a new desktop either, but I just got a new desktop, which feels a little frustrating because the Mac mini looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I used a Mac mini before, and it worked fine, but seeing the the scores that I that I just pulled up like 30 minutes ago, it's like and this is for the MacBook Air. Well, again, like I said, we'll talk about it. Um, it just looks like crazy. So the Mac Mini could. The only thing is that there's a limitation in these machines, um, and it's how you configure them. Maybe we'll get into that a little in a little bit, but. You can't really configure it the way I would want it. Is the one thing that makes me, like, you know, uh, maybe I would I wouldn't get one. But if they're as fast as they are looking, maybe it would be okay, depending on what you were doing with it. You're still you still have your do you have that Windows desktop that we built for you? Like, yeah, yeah, so I do. Long ago? Is that the one that you're still using? <laughs> I don't really use it anymore. I don't even. I'm not really using a desktop right now. I need gotcha. a new desktop, but. I am using the MacBook uh, Pro. Yeah. So do you have do you have like a like a monitor and stuff you plug your laptop into, or do you just use the laptop? Just the laptop. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say because I remember we had talked about um, the iMacs and like how cool they were in terms of yeah the latest release with like the eight core and the ten core and all the stuff you could get. After seeing what these new devices are looking like i would maybe not consider that anymore Hmm. um only because it's like i guarantee you something better is gonna if you wanted that form factor it's like i guarantee you something better is gonna come along the line Mm -hmm. and even like i would probably prefer the new mac mini over over one of those current uh imacs Mm -hmm. Uh, but i mean we'll go into why in a little bit um so let's see. There's a lot to cover. What do you think the first? Gosh. Well, 
real quick the yeah the two things that i've i i mean i virtually have no complaints about the macbook uh, right that i have right um but if i were to be really super picky uh-huh. and which like you say a lot of programmers are yeah uh i would say the battery life can be a little oh. frustrating sometimes. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the noise factor, we've talked about this before, how the, sometimes it gets hot and that yeah, the, uh, the fan or whatever whatever right. will start. And it sounds like the thing's going to explode sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so those two things, and it, it sounds like, well, at least with the battery life, they mentioned that yeah. a few times. Uh, so maybe we could talk about that. Is that going to be something that actually does improve with these new releases? So my guess would be yes. Um, I totally believe what they were saying about the battery life. So great first topic, battery life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the thing is, is what's really cool about these CPUs, or one of the really cool, and it's not just a CPU, it's more like a whole computer system on one chip. Like the RAM is actually integrated now into the chip instead of being separate modules. So you've got the CPU, the GPU, the RAM, all the like neural net processor stuff that they've, you know, like the ML cores and Mm -hmm. it's all being put onto like this one, like super low wattage chip. I believe they said it was was like a 10 watt chip, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. Like I think, hold on. Uh, I thought they said it was 10, 10 watts and a typical mobile uh, CPU, I think is, maybe between like 35 to 45 watts for like a typical, I think that's a typical low power CPU. I don't Mm. think it's a, like a performance one. I I can't remember off the top of my head, but the point is, is that it, it draws way less power than like a comparable um, X86 mobile CPU, X86 being the old architecture that Intel and AMD use. Um, So, and not only that, you're you're having much lower power draw as well as much higher performance. So it's like, and yeah, so I totally believe it. So not only is the internal system probably um, simpler to manufacture because it's all on one chip. So what that happens or what that results in is more space within the chassis of the computer because you're able to shrink down all the components to take up less space. And usually when that happens, they put in a larger battery. They just fill up that space with battery. Hmm. So I don't know what the actual battery rating is. Those things are rated in what's called milliamp hours, and they'll have a number. Like your phone could be, like a large iPhone's like 3,000 milliamp hour battery. Hmm. Uh, so they'll tell you what the size is. So what what we're seeing with these new these new systems or CPUs whatever you want to call it is a uh, much faster chip, better performance. It's much lower power draw because of the new architecture and the manufacturing process that they're using, and probably a larger battery put inside. So what that's kind of result in is exactly what they stated, which is much longer battery life. And I think for the MacBook Air, they were saying that it's like 18 hours or 20 hours or something ridiculous. Hmm. Um, So 
theoretically, you could hopefully get through a whole work day, no problem. Charge yeah. it up overnight, good to go the next day without plugging it in if you don't, if you can't, right? Yeah. So it's it's a massive. Uh, if the numbers are true, there it's a massive improvement, and I I kind of buy it. Like I I think that their typical battery ratings in the past have been accurate. And, you know, if they lied, it's like, well, people would discover that real quick. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing, speaking about, I'm like, you touched on two things. The other thing is, um, because of that lower power draw, it runs cooler. And so the MacBook Air is going to be totally fanless. So it's mm. going to be silent. So wow. you're going to have so the MacBook Air, and I'll, we'll get back to the performance. But so the MacBook Air now is going to have this great performance, no fan, and this much better battery life. So all of a sudden, that to me feels like a just this huge leap in mm. computing. Like I can't think of like a Windows machine, like what what Windows machine are you going to buy that's going to compete with that? I It doesn't even exist because the hardware to do that does not exist. And Mac OS has typically been, uh, been better for battery than Windows. So you're, you're looking at that as well. Um, I don't like, I don't know, but based on the numbers that I've just seen and let's check, I keep saying we're going to get to it. Uh, for the performance, it's like I, I just don't see. There's what? What is the competition? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Like y- you would have to need a Windows specific piece of software, in my opinion, to make that choice. Um, to buy like a Windows laptop in the future over a MacBook. Like if you're looking in the same price range, maybe uh, there's no five hundred dollar Mac laptop. So that's a different topic. If if you're looking at a certain price range, yeah, Windows is, is what you have to go for. Mm-hmm. But if you can afford the Mac stuff, I just don't see how there's a comparison. So that's like, and again, that was kind of going back to what I was saying about um, kind of going back to the older style of competition where the, the two machines are very different, whereas they were very similar. You know, you could install Windows on Mac. Can't, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. So you're going to have the one thing. It's it's gonna be really interesting to see. I think what happens because to me these seem like such a big leap that at least in the immediate future I don't see a whole lot of competition. I mean maybe there's gonna be something coming out from AMD or Intel where they can do these same kinds of machines, but that would require a pretty big leap I think in computing power on those platforms that we have not seen in a while. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. So it's guaranteed that the MacBook Air is never going to need a fan? I mean, It's that, not in there. There's no fan inside. I know. I mean, uh, in other words, it's, it's, it's not, uh, there's no risk of any kind of overheating or anything like that. <laughs> No, because what they would do is they would uh, down clock. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Like the CPU for the heat mm-hmm. if they needed to. So 
my guess is that well, first of all, like like I said, it's like a ten watt CPU. I think it's ten watts, so maybe I shouldn't keep saying that. But like the iPad CPUs are like five watt. I think they're very very low voltage. So when they're that low voltage, they don't generate a lot of heat. Um, so yeah, I would say I would be pretty confident. No no risk of overheating, and they probably generate a lot less heat. Not only are they fanless, but they, I think they would generate a lot less heat in general than the current MacBook Pros, just because of the of the power draw of the chips. Hmm. So, it's it's to me it's exciting. Um, yeah. Well, we've always said Apple kind of doesn't really compete with anyone. Uh, yeah, it really and, just feels like they're doing their own thing. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a blue ocean. <laughs> Once again, that's right. That's right. So, so that kind of covers the battery life. It covers, um, you know, we mentioned it was fanless. They are going to add a fan in the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini, and I'm assuming that's just so they can run the chips at a higher speed, right? So you have like your whole gigahertz rating if something is two gigahertz or three or four or whatever. And the faster you run these things, the hotter they run. So that's why I was saying that they would probably downclock, you know, the the MacBook Air. But again, the performance numbers that I'm looking at, that doesn't seem to matter to me uh, because it looks ridiculous. So I don't know what the MacBook Pro or the Mac Mini will be. I would assume maybe a little faster. Um, so we'll see what happens when I'm assuming that those specs will leak out pretty soon because i think all these machines are set to be delivered start being delivered next week mm-hmm. um so we'll take a look uh, uh we'll see what happens there but you know regardless it's it's uh, kind of a big deal i guess we could start talking about that now so i, I mentioned geekbench mm-hmm. and let me see if i can pull up what the other machines look like because they have kind of a a family browser so to speak where you can look at all the Mac stuff or whatever mm-hmm. uh, so let's bring that up just bear with me here let's see uh, benchmark chart so we're going to look at the Mac benchmark chart so these are so the Geekbench will typically gives you two scores. It's a single core score and a multi-core score. Now, the single core score is telling you the speed of one core. It's single core. So it tells you how fast you could run like a single threaded process, which a lot of, you know, most most software today still runs single threaded um, because mm-hmm. most tasks are serial. So they have to be done one thing after the other and they, you can't really break them up into multi-threads easily. And mm-hmm. there's different kinds of tasks that, hey, that could be another topic, single-threaded versus <laughs> multi-threaded. But there's different kinds of tasks that um, run really well multi-threaded, like uh, computer or like graphics rendering and things like that. But most things are still single-threaded. So we're looking at the top. I'm looking at from top to bottom, uh, single-threaded benchmarks. At the very, very top is the 27-inch uh iMac the one that we were just talking about a couple weeks ago the 10 core iMac Intel Core i9 the single threaded score is 1252 
and that is the best rated Mac ever to exist so far. Mm. So right below that is another iMac. It goes down into, um, let's see, MacBook Pros, and then there's Mac Pros, and they're all kind of close to each other, 1252, 1248. You know, the, the Mac Pros, which are... Um, you know they get down to like 1100 and those are those are good scores and like the mac pros tend to be more geared towards multi-threading uh tasks so they have like the 8 core 12 core 16 core 24 core machines and they get really high multi-core scores but for the single core scores the mac pros most expensive computers you can buy from them uh are like in the 1100 range and so like mm-hmm. i said the imac is 1252 top of the line so Found the MacBook Air, Geekbench score leaked out. Single core score. This is the MacBook Air, the one with no fan, um, you know, low power, low voltage, whatever. Mm-hmm. Single core score, 1687. Whoa. So almost, what is it, like a third faster, 30% faster? It's basically 400 points higher. So, yeah, so it's like 30%. That's just that's just a speed rating. It's like a kind of it's it's basically like a score. It's like a yeah, it's like a grade or a score, um, and you can compare them to each other. So essentially, the MacBook Air is thirty percent faster than that iMac that in in a single core score uh, is thirty percent faster than those iMacs. We were just like. You know, saying, oh, these look really good. These are really cool. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a machine, don't hesitate. Go buy one. So this little thing now, it's like a super low-power machine, is stomping all over that thing, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And this, yeah. is like, this is like just the beginning. So there's, and again, there, there's nothing like that on the Windows side. This is almost like a workstation type like it's better like the mac pro like i said is 1100 so if you're looking at that it's it's getting close to like 40 percent 50 percent faster on a single core speed and like i said most of our work is done in a single core um or most like computer software runs single threaded so the macbook air has four all these new machines this m1 chip is what they call it so the M1 chip has four high-performance cores and four efficiency cores, and they'll use either one depending on the workload if you need high performance or, or if you can get by with the low-performance uh, cores, they'll use that instead. So you have four of these cores that are like just amazing um, in this machine. So the multi-core score for the MacBook Air is 7,433. 7, which is definitely not the best multi-core score for a Mac, but it's really, really good. So I'll look at where it falls into. Um, it's So that, that multi-core score, the MacBook Air, falls just below the, the current Mac Pro, which starts at $6,000. So the current Mac Pro... The entry-level eight-core machine has a multi-core score of 7,989. So this MacBook Air is 7,433. So for all intents and purposes, uh, almost equivalent. 
Hmm. So this is a machine that's in the $1,000 range. I think it starts below $1,000, but if you add a couple decent things, it takes it over $1,000. Mm-hmm. Basically going to be able to hang with the Mac Pro. Yeah. Um, and do it silently and, you know. And pay $6,000 less. Yeah, and, right, right. So everything above that for the multi-core is like iMac Pro, you know, some of the higher-end iMacs, and then like the really high-end Mac Pros. Those machines, you can spend up to like 50 grand on the top-of-the-line Mac Pros. That's <laughs> not what we're talking about here. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's going to buy that. That's for like, I'm assuming like production houses that are doing movies, things mm. like that, right? They want mm. those massive CPUs. So like the top score, the top score multi-core is 18,000. Um, and the third one down is a Mac Pro that scores 14,000. So this score is essentially half that, half of one of the top of the line machines that you can buy, period. And again, this is this is their first shot, like out of the gate, with hmm. like you know, first try, and it's just like it just has this dominating score. It's faster than let's see. So everything below it, Mac Pro 2013, 12 core, it's better than that. It's better than the just released MacBook Pro 16 inch that has eight cores, and that's like eight high performance cores that doesn't have the efficiency. So this is a four core machine. Versus an eight-core machine uh, that was just released. It's faster than that. It's faster than um, the old MacBook Pros released last year, the 15-inch. Like, just everything. Almost everything. And, again, we're talking about the MacBook Air. So the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini should theoretically be a little faster because of the fan. I don't think we have the numbers on that yet. But... It's only going to go up from here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they plan to replace all these machines that we're talking about. The iMac Pros, even the Mac Pros. They said there's rumors that they're working on new ones, uh, like in a much smaller form factor, like same design, but much smaller form factor. Um, you know, the regular iMac is rumored to be replaced with like a 24-inch screen uh, iMac. So... You know, we'll see, but it's just going to be this. It seems to me like it's going to be a monumental shift. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, like, what would be the motivation to to get something else, and unless you really needed like a Windows specific software coming back to that, I just don't see how they catch up quickly. Yeah, I mean, they're they're so affordable. Um, I mean, that's what's amazing is. The Mac yeah. Mini is what seven hundred dollars, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, which is, I think, less than what it was. Uh, yeah, they before. they dropped it by a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Let me look so, at what you get with that actually, because for most people, it's probably enough, even like the baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for like you know, if you were getting one for like kids that are doing school, um, or even just general use for adults, like if you're not doing like heavy stuff like programming or, or video editing or music production. But even there, you know, you could configure this thing to, to, to be the, decent. What was the score on the Mac Mini? So it hasn't 
really has come out yet. Yeah. But I, I would expect it to be higher because it's the same chip but with a fan. So I'm assuming they're going to be running it at a faster clock speed. Okay. So um, even faster than the MacBook Air then? I would assume so. I, I mean, maybe not, but I don't know why they would be adding a fan. Um, so the Mac Mini, the baseline, you know, eight gigabytes of memory. It's a little low for for my use, but you can upgrade to sixteen for two hundred more bucks. Two hundred fifty six gigs of storage. Again, all that stuff is fine if you're not doing a lot of like heavy work. Um, so yeah, for six ninety nine, you're getting a nice little machine. Mm-hmm. Um. I wish the only thing is, and this is what I where I'm curious about what they're going to do with future machines or future versions of this chip. Like I don't know if they're going to come out with one like machines next year that are the M2, or is there going to be like an M1X, or what? What are they going to do? Because the memory now is on the die itself, so you can only pick between eight gigabytes and sixteen gigabytes. But like even the like the last. So here, like they've taken a little bit of a step back in some ways. So the last Mac Mini, you could upgrade it up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. So that's gone. You can only do 16 now, which is not a lot. Mm. Uh, well, for someone like me, it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. For for the general public, again, like just doing regular stuff, doing word processing, web browsing, whatever, 16 is fine. So um, it it definitely feels kind of like a version one of this kind of stuff, but Mm. the picture of where it's going is just seems like it only has upsides. Mm -hmm. So why would they do that? Drop the RAM like that. My guess is that because for these versions, they're all on the chip. Like that stuff takes, you know, it takes up space in the die. And I'm assuming that they didn't design it to where it could go up to 32. Like, cause you would have to make a, a, a bigger chip really. Um, and then because you're not just popping memory in according to an order, like you kind of have to have them, you have to, build them and then hope that people are like buying them. I don't know if that makes sense. It's yeah. like, like they have, you have to have them in inventory. So they probably roughly know what that split is going to be, how many people will order eight versus 16. And that's what they're just manufacturing. Hmm. Um, I don't know if like, let's say they come out with an updated version next year that allows you to go up to 32 or 64. I don't know if those options are going to be, again, built right into the chips or if they're going to be like a separate memory controller with, with the memory plugged in. That that seems almost like... It's kind of weird because they talked about this in their presentation. And one of the advantages of what they did was was the way they designed the interaction with the memory um, and it's basically allowing for faster, you know, speed, you know, without getting into it. So if they do go to like, are they going to go back to an external system that 
where the like where the memory is external, but it's not going to have those advantages anymore. It's kind of weird. So I mm-hmm. don't really know what their future plan is there. Like mm-hmm. I, I, they really need to have options with more memory. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Hmm. But okay. All right. So uh, next thing on the list. Let's see. Oh, I just lost the page. Um, we talk about the pro. Well, okay. So here's another thing that's kind of interesting. This is the first time I think that they've had. They have these three products, mm-hmm. but they're essentially the same thing. Like, I think this is the first time where the internals are, they all use the M1 chip, and that's kind of it. <laughs> like, the, the, like, literally the difference between the MacBook and the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini is that the Pro and the Mini have a fan, like, like I mentioned. So, theoretically, the CPU is going to run faster. But it's almost like they just took this one configuration and stuck it in three different form factors. And it's, I don't know, like it's a little different than uh, what they've had in the past. So I don't know. I almost feel like the MacBook Pro is is not going to be worth it because you're getting almost the same exact thing. Maybe you're getting a little more battery. Um, you get the touch bar. A lot of people don't like the touch bar. But if I had to pick between the two, like I would go for the Air. And I would I would have never gone for the Air before over the Pro just because you would have lost too much. So uh, it's a, it's just it feels a little weird because the products are now becoming like very similar in that respect. So it's almost like choosing just between form factors. You know, you're just getting the same thing. Yeah. That's. I mean, I wonder. I well. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was no, no, no. Say, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> I just wonder if people uh, that already have MacBook Pros are going to keep buying those. Like, to, um, like they continue the line because it's familiar, so to speak. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I'm maybe just, just a guess. Well, yeah, I don't know because the MacBook Pro, the 16-inch, is rumored to be replaced. Um, I think soonish, maybe next year. Definitely not this year. Um, so for me, like, I would like a 16-inch. My next laptop, so my current laptop is from 2013. It's feeling pretty old. Um, I would like to get a new one at some point, maybe next year. Um, I don't need one now, but you know, like I said, maybe next year. So I would like the 16 inch because I can use all the screen space I can get. If they just stuck the current stuff that they had into the 16 inch form factor, I would be pretty disappointed. Like I wanted my next machine to have 32 gigabytes of memory on the laptop because I've had 16 since 2013. Um, it can definitely max that out when I'm working. So if they, you know, update the 16s and they're the same as the 13 inch stuff, that would be a real bummer. 
And if that was the case, then maybe I would get MacBook Air because you wouldn't be really giving anything up other than screen size. But uh, yeah, it's and they don't really, again, they don't really talk about plans much either. So mm-hmm. it's not something that we would know until they announce it. So that's a little frustrating. But I, I still feel like these first ones are just kind of like very early machines and that they will get much better very quickly. Right. Um, so you're not going to be an early adopter on these, then I take it. In a the way only, the <laughs> yeah. The only one, like I said, I mean, because now that I'm working at home a lot, I'm on the desktop all the time. I was taking my laptop into work when we would go to the office and I'd plug into a monitor so I would have been more interested in, like, I'm definitely interested in trying them. I would really like to see how fast they feel and how they hold up to, like, all the different kinds of software and, um, you know, sustained performance and all that stuff. But I would I would want to try the Mac Mini if I could try one of them. Hmm. Uh, but it's not, again, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would buy one for myself with just 16 gigabytes of memory. Like, if it was just an experiment, sure, but like, I'm not gonna spend that kind of mu- that much money on on a test. Mm-hmm. That's a that's kind of like flushing <laughs> flushing cash, I think. Um, yeah. Did you um? You want to talk about the Rosetta Two at all? The yeah, I saw someone mention something weird about that, which I kind of want to look into that a little more. But the idea of the Rosetta 2 is it's basically how you're going to run your old software. Right. So you have something that's not compiled for these new machines so that it's actually using the new instruction sets. Apple's way of letting you use the old software is to use this thing they call Rosetta 2. So the Rosetta Stone, you know, is famous for being, uh, I don't remember what was it, like what allowed the, uh, us to translate Egyptian hieroglyphics yeah. or what was it? Yeah, something like that. It's an it interpreting was, foreign language. Yeah, so there was like a language that we could not um, understand and then they found something that kind of had a partial translation on the Rosetta Stone, right? And so then mm-hmm. that allowed us to, to oh, fully right, right. understand fully understand the rest of or figure out everything else so that we could then understand these symbols and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's named that. So it's Rosetta. So it's translating um, x86. In this case, it used to be from PowerPC to x86, was the first version of Rosetta. And now it's going to be from x86 to this new ARM instruction set. So what it does is it'll have these binaries that, you know, it, are built to x86 and Rosetta will translate those instructions to ARM and allow your old software to work. So one of their claims is that um, you can actually run x86 software via Rosetta 2 on these new Macs faster in some cases than they would run on their native machines. Mm. So that's pretty wild, first of all. Uh, 
And then I was reading something, and my understanding was that this was all being done as like a translation layer. So as the thing was operating, it was um, like converting the instructions in real time, so to speak. Mm. So like, but uh, somebody said it's a one-time thing, where like it's almost like recompiling the binary into a into like a, an ARM-based version, which if that's how it works, that's really cool. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but and I didn't think the original one worked like that. I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was like a translation layer, but maybe not. Um, and again, so that'll just allow you to run a lot of software that's probably not ready or was not recompiled for the new stuff. So... Um, like having those kinds of technologies available is is really cool, and it really does help, um, you know, make that transition easier because you're not yeah. losing all your software. Yeah. How long do you think they're going to have to keep up that transition? So they did this before, and they cut off support. I thought it was like five years. Let's see. And then everybody got really bad, of course. Uh, when Apple dropped it. Uh, let's see. Rosetta support dropped. Let's do a search for that. So, oh, so they dropped it in version 10.7. So that was a long time because it, they didn't used to do new versions of the operating system every year mm-hmm. like they do now. So 10.7 probably took them. Um, 10 years um maybe maybe Mm. not so that started in oh you know what though Ooh, i'm wrong because the intel stuff did not start at 10.0 so maybe it was pretty quick um let's see because 2005 mac os uh let's see os 10 versions I will give you an answer. Uh, okay, so Lion was 10.7, and that was in 2011. So that was so it was six years mm-hmm. um, that they kept, maybe like five years, because if if they dropped it in 2011, so it was between 2005 and 2010. So I mean. The problem there, and Apple doesn't seem to care about this. The problem there is that you're, you're essential. I don't know why they cut that stuff out. I mean, I I'm assuming it's to you know make things cleaner, more simple in the system. You know, if you don't need to mm-hmm. support things like Rosetta, let's mm-hmm. get rid of it. It's a it's a cleaner feel. But you're you're kind of software is not maintained forever, mm-hmm. so you're losing software when they do stuff like that. Uh, they did something similar not that long ago, a couple of years ago, where they, it was maybe even in the last year or two, where they said that if you don't have, um, they're going to drop support for 32-bit binaries. So, you know, again, there's old applications that are that the developers don't work on anymore. People might use them. They might find them important. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, they're not going to work anymore if you if you upgrade to the latest version of macOS. Right. And you often have to because they'll say, you know, 
well, if you want to use the latest version of this other thing that you use, you need to upgrade to the latest version of macOS. They do that all the time, especially mm-hmm. with Apple's own software. So they like, uh, I have to say something nice about Microsoft. <laughs> so one of the things that is good about Windows is that you can run software that's really, really old. Like if you're on Windows 10, you can probably run a lot of software that was last updated for like Windows XP or mm. something like that. I mean, it might even go back to you. You might even be able to go back to like Windows 95 level stuff, and that's like really, really old in terms of you know supporting software in general. I guess. Right. So Microsoft actually puts a lot of work into uh having that kind of backwards compatibility and supporting old versions of things so you can run really old utilities if you need to and that's probably really important in the enterprise where you know some of these big companies will have really old tools that are very customized towards their own use mm-hmm. and it's like well they if they want to keep getting business for Microsoft or if Microsoft wants to keep getting their business, you know, they're going to make sure that they can support all that stuff. So Apple's is complete opposite and they're cutting things out left and right, uh, support for things. So I know like some people complained about steam, um, which is valves like game service where you can buy video games and it's all under your one account. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, Oh, when they did the upgrade to 64 bit only, Binaries supported in macOS. I lost a ton of games. I can't play my games anymore. Oh wow! And that's just because, again, like if you made a game back in 2010, and all you needed was a 32-bit binary, like the companies might not even be around anymore, and all you have are the software executables. I that's something that I'm that I'm actually really against mm-hmm. um, because. And this is, hey, this might be another podcast topic. Um, like, if you look at, uh, like, PlayStation games or something like that, Nintendo games, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever, because of the way the consoles work, typically, you can only play... I mean, people do emulators and all that stuff, but, like, let's say you want to play a PlayStation 1 game and you don't have a PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. Well... How are you going to play it? <laughs> like you kind of, you there's like I said, there's emulators on PC, but for all intents and purposes, which I think is the second time I've said that today, <laughs> uh, you can't do it. Like it's just there's no backwards compatibility with the PlayStation. But if you're into games, there are there were releases on the PlayStation that were a pretty big deal for their time. They could have some historical importance for, you know, you know, games in general. Um, and then you kind of see that across different releases of um, these consoles. So, like, even, uh, Nintendo tends to, like, re-release their, their stuff a lot. So, like, for example, let's go back to the Nintendo 64, which came out in, like, 1995 or so. You know, they had Mario 64. It was a really big deal at the time. So for, like, gaming history, like, Mario 64 is important. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm coming to a point on all this. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to be clear, I'm not rambling about <laughs> no, that. No, no. Uh, so Mario 64 was really important. A couple years later, they released uh, Zelda, you know, Ocarina of Time or whatever. And again, that was like kind of a big moment in video games because it was the first of its kind to do a lot of things and was really like a standard bearer for a long time. Now, Nintendo tends to re-release all these games on their newer systems so you can keep getting them. But like I said, there's no backwards compatibility like with PC. So if you're on PC and you like old adventure games, like the there's a, this company that was called Sierra uh, and then like LucasArts, they all released a lot of old classic adventure games, point and click, kind of similar to, you know, Myst and Seventh Guest, mm-hmm. those kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Um you can still play those on your PC, I think. I think you can load up Windows 10, you can get your old software, you can run it. Now, mm. the comparison I'm going to make is, um, well, what if what if you couldn't watch The Godfather anymore because you needed a 1970s whatever to play it? ECR. And they're just like, yeah, which didn't really exist then, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you get my point. Yeah. So, you have all these classic movies that no one would ever think of like, well, we're just not going to let those exist anymore because right. they're formats old. Think of the books, right? We have books going back uh, millennia, right? Yep. Uh, between, you know, decades and centuries and millennia that we can still read today because right. obviously it's very easy for us to um, maintain those things because it's all just text and that's easy to keep a record of. Computer software is very different because of how specific, like, again, instruction sets are. So things like x86 versus ARM versus PowerPC versus whatever. There's a lot of stuff out there in terms of instruction sets. So we have this collection of software that can basically be lost to time because of changes in hardware and software support. And if there's one thing I really dislike about Apple, it's that they are ruthless in like cutting out support for things that they consider old. Hmm. Uh, but what you're essentially doing, like I said, is, is you're, you're losing software then to time. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think the industry is a little unique in that sense because it's one of the only industries that not only does that readily, um, but they're like totally okay with it. Like, there's, you know, film historians and critics and whatever would probably be up in arms if we were deleting old movies. Yeah, that's losing a, old movies at a regular pace. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic because, uh, a, I mean, that's a very that could be a very discouraging. I mean, for programmers, that's that's a. Uh, that's a hurdle to get over to know that you know what I'm programming today could mm. be lost to time. Yeah, you know, I mean, we coming at it from like we come at it from sometimes from a music perspective. Like if you put 18 months of work into a, uh, a CD or whatever, mm. to know in the back of your mind that someday people might not be able to listen to this, <laughs> you know, it's kind of defeats the. It's very defeating. You're like uh, I'm out. Yeah, this yeah. Could a, this could be a five-year window where you can hear this. But that's what you're talking about. about. Yeah, uh, no, I am. So yeah, that's um, that's kind of a, that's an interesting thing. Do you think there's a, like a stubbornness to Apple? <laughs> oh yeah. In that regard, is that yeah. is that all it is, or do you think it's there's, 
there's uh, something more behind it, like strategic. Um, I think, okay, so oh, I was going to say something else and I forgot. Uh, oh, I was going to say that's also one of the arguments behind open source um, source mm. code okay. is that like, like, let's say these games that we're talking about that were lost at time were open sourced. Yeah. Could theoretically rebuild them for, and that's not entirely true because of all the support libraries and stuff like that. Like, you know, these games are not built all on their own source code. They, especially these days, they'll, they'll be made like with, you know, these engines like Unreal Engine or Unity, and then they'll have all kinds of extra software that's integrated into them to help build them just because they're such massive uh, efforts, basically. But that's one of the arguments for open sourcing uh, code in general is, you know, historical, the historical record and, and not losing stuff to time. So that's just a little side point. The yeah. other point was about is Apple stubborn? And I think, I think one of the answers might be yes. Um, I guarantee you that there's people inside who don't like that aspect of the business. But yeah. I think this goes back to Steve Jobs. Yeah, uh, the op open system and closed system and all that. Yeah, but yeah. then, yeah. So I think this kind of goes back to um, just his way of doing things where it was always kind of like a look to the future attitude. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, so, yeah. So that's part of it there's a story about how I, I don't know if i mentioned this on this podcast before yeah but you did with the um what was it the, the you thing know where the wall. I'm going yeah go ahead say it say it again just am i case. just repeating myself <laughs> constantly to the point i didn't even give you a hint of what i was going to say you're well, like, I know, yeah you told this i i know what you're going to say but uh, i'm sure some of the listeners it was, a, don't, it was so. about the map okay well <laughs> for their benefit i will repeat the story because I apparently I'm boring you. No, but... I'm, I'm right with you. I'm that's I'm, that's the thing. Is I'm, right. I don't know where you're going. Let's see if you do. Uh, <laughs> no, the story was about how when it came back to Apple, there was a an original Apple II or a Mac. I can't remember which one in the Apple cafeteria. Right. And it was like a display of it was just kind of like this. Hey, you know, look what we did. And he and didn't he want did, people looking at it because it was a symbol of the right. past. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So he had it removed. Right. Uh, so fine. All See, right. I remember. You, you, so you knew where I was going. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that one. Uh, so I think that's part of it. It's just like don't look to the past. Like yeah. here's, here's what we're doing now. So mm -hmm. we're not doing that other thing anymore. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, the fact that that's still happening is interesting i don't again i don't necessarily i partially agree with it and i i and again at the same time i don't because i uh, like i mentioned windows and at the same time it's almost it's it's good that they enable that kind of backwards compatibility but at the same time i think there's an element of needing to support all that stuff that doesn't allow them to move into the future mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it at the same rate that Apple can. So if you look at Windows 10 and you look at the control settings or whatever it's called, control panel, when Windows 10 was announced, which at this point was years and years ago, a uh, long time ago, 
one of the things they showed was their modern apps or whatever. That has its roots in Windows 8, which was years mm-hmm. before Windows 10. Right. So they had their whole, like, oh, we have our new universal Windows programs, UWP or whatever. All the new Windows programs are going to look like this. They're going to look, you know, like this modern minimalist interface. And one of the things that they were going to replace was the control panel, which has been around for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's got a certain look to it, very old style, Windows 95, Windows XP, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody who uses Windows has seen this thing. So they have the new PC settings app that was supposed to replace it. Well, they still haven't done that. You still have this control panel that does some things, and you have this new PC settings app that looks totally different that was supposed to replace it that also exists so instead of being able to move forward with their new version that they said you know was gonna replace it almost 10 years ago i want to say windows 10 was like 2015 or 2013 something like that Mm -hmm. i don't remember what the release date was uh 2015 so it's five years point um and they have it, and again, I think that whole switch started with Windows 8, where they were going to say, you know, we're going to get rid of control panel. That's going to be legacy, and it's just it's still around. And the, I don't see. And now they're talking about a new interface coming in 2021, and it's like they have been talking about this stuff for years. It's mm-hmm. nuts. Like, what is the plan? There's got to be. I, I don't get it. So there's a there's two sides of that you know of that coin. Yeah, and I don't know if those things are related, but I think it's a culture thing where it's like on one hand you probably have people within the Windows organization trying to drag things into the future. On the other hand, you've made this commitment to support really old stuff that yeah. we're talking about, like decades old, mm-hmm. and so that's like in the operating system. And that cannot be an easy job to do that balance. I, so, I get what you're saying. That is kind of interesting. And I wonder if, let me ask you this, if Apple didn't have that approach uh, where they sort of leave the past behind, do you think that they would be in a position where that they're in uh, where they're sort of competing with nobody? <laughs> yeah, no, probably you know, I mean, it, not so kind of how they got there i think it's true so you asked that question and i begin to so i'm sitting here like trying to visualize what do i think mac os would look like if they were trying to do that and it probably would be a mess and it would probably be really ugly and it would look like a mac version of windows you know 10 or whatever where some bits of it look up to date other parts of it look 20 years old and I it's not an easy problem. I don't really know what the answer there is because it doesn't seem like you can you can't do both things. I I'm assuming unless like it, yeah. I guess the way to do it would be um yeah, the way to do it would probably be to be running offer like uh kind of weird. You could run it in like containers essentially where you're running it like on a, a virtualized version of the old operating system. That would be the way to do it, I think. But mm. they don't Apple doesn't do that kind of stuff. Like you can yeah, I don't even know how you would get 
like the old versions of well i guess there's discs and stuff they used to deliver the operating systems on cds and usb keys so i guess you could do that but again they don't really support like installing old versions of uh of mac os so windows you can if you have you can install like a virtualized version of windows xp on on your windows 10 desktop so that you're you know essentially running windows xp in a window like any other app and then mm-hmm. you could and then they would probably be able to run the older software and you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference so that would probably be the way to do it um but again they're not in that business and they don't seem to care so hmm. yeah i it's it is a it is a kind of a, a frustrating thing yeah yeah because you you are definitely programming for the here and now when you're doing stuff. I mean, look at Flash. Um, Flash is like gone, and that was a big deal for a lot of years. And I don't even know. I mean, I, I you could probably still run it in Chrome, but I, I thought even Chrome at some point was gonna was gonna drop support for it. Mm. Like you remember the game that. Uh, that I was working on for a while. That once upon a time in Japan, I still have the, I still have the Flash website for that. So oh, we, wow. we made the the website, um, and it would like check your computer for the time. So it had like a day version and a night version, and it did things that at the time yeah. were impossible to do with a website, mm-hmm. uh, just like the animations, and it was really cool for its day. Mm-hmm. And there's gonna become a point where I can never open that again. Mm. so like that's a bummer because i have the files like so and we put a lot of work into it and it's you know there's been a couple times where i've looked at it it's been a really long time since i've done that but i saved it for a reason right and it's like again it's like well what if your old movies stopped working what if your what if your old photos just disappeared Mm -hmm. it's like you know it's it's there is kind of a ruthlessness about about yeah Kind of a software graveyard. Yeah, no, it's a thing. So, you know, Rosetta Two exists. There's going to be a point where it doesn't, and stuff's going to be lost because there's stuff that's out there now that is not going to be recompiled mm-hmm. to support. So, really, just kind of a stopgap. <laughs> yeah, it is, um, and they definitely encourage you know developers to update their software uh, and make it run on the new stuff but i don't really know what the answer is for that maybe if a company goes out of business or stops selling a product you know maybe you could open source it i mean that's not a you can't force anybody to do that so mm-hmm. so there will be something so you were talking about you know all the cool stuff that's happening with this change that would be the downside and that mm-hmm. would be you know, the negative and what we're losing is that there is going to become a point where stuff does not work anymore. So, mm-hmm. but I think, I think right now I'm looking at everything that I have on my machine that I use daily. And I am pretty sure all this stuff is going to be quickly um, changed to run on uh the new stuff 
because mm-hmm. it's all it's all current and up to date. But you know, like I said, there's games that get lost. Uh, that's probably a big one. Is going to be games, and which is which is fine for the most part. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot of those that are worth saving, but but you know, again, going back to um, I mentioned PlayStation and that kind of stuff. There are people like even with like the what's funny is this is something that's kind of going on right now because there's like a new Xbox came out yesterday, a new mm-hmm. PlayStation comes out tomorrow. So we're right in the middle of a shift with these consoles and Microsoft. What's funny is Microsoft has zero games for this new console they just released, like literally zero, I think, that you can buy that's made for this new thing. So they put all this effort into backwards compatibility compatibility going back to the very first xbox so they're touting like hey play all your old games play all your old games buy mm-hmm. this new play all, all your old games which is kind of dorky but that's what they've had to fall back on because they don't have any new software so but like the playstation is not they don't really do that the same way so like i was mentioning there's all these classic games that could theoretically be lost to time if they don't put uh, effort into bringing that yeah, stuff I, back. I think, there's a lot I, of them. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to to keeping the old games. I I have a Nintendo emulator, yeah. Yeah. and I love that thing. I mean, it brings back all these childhood memories and stuff. Right. I think there's value to that. I I, I think Microsoft's that, that is a plus in their yeah. column. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a bit shocked they don't have anything new, but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's kind of funny to read. It's, it's, man, it's wild how no matter what topic or thing you're getting into, how mm-hmm. seriously some people take it. Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. You're going to find someone online to where it's like this stuff is life and death to that yeah. person. Well, I can see uh, yeah, kind a lot, of what a lot of going on right now. Yeah, with the Xbox, I can see what we're talking about though, from a programmer's perspective, uh-huh. kind of being a big deal though, because it is your work. And, yeah. Um, like I said, that that that's a very um, demoralizing concept that a lot of the things you do could be lost to time. So, I could see that being a point of contention. But as far as you know gamers and stuff i i don't know (laughs) i mean it's true though because it's not even the other thing is that in the computing industry there's winners and losers right so i don't know if you remember this platform because i think it was kind of before my time uh so if it was i mean i don't know uh the the amiga um did, did you ever know anybody who had an amiga computer uh no that sounds no so vaguely familiar but no right so so that was and the reason why you're saying that is because they are one of the losers uh that did not make it but there's a lot of people who had them at the time and loved them and i read stuff from time to time, I'll see somebody say like, "Oh, I used to do X, Y, and Z on the Amiga," and we're talking about stuff decades back, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
there's people who are reminiscing about their experience with software. So like, let's say you were a, a software person and you're like, and you made a music program like Cubase. Cause I know some of the stuff I've read was like people doing music on the Amiga or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the software was named, but let's say, well, I'm, I'm using Cubase as an example. And you had created that for the Amiga and you did something really cool with it. And it's like, well, the Amiga failed. Mm-hmm. So your software has gone too. So again, if you want to take this back to the movie comparison, well, your movie can fail. Someone's going to still be able to watch it, you know, 40 years later. Mm. Um, And like, and in some cases, these movies fail and become a huge success after the fact, like Blade Runner, uh, Shawshank Redemption. These are movies that did not do well in the theater and later became classics. So we don't really have an equivalent to that in the computing industry to where it's like, and it's because they're so dependent on the, the hardware architecture and how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, with music too, I have, I have a bunch of stuff that I recorded in the past that mm-hmm. I was never able to, to play again because mm-hmm. uh, it, before MP3s, mm-hmm. You know, and we were using like sound modules and stuff. So, like, I have the, yeah. I think I have like the Cubase files, like this, the, for the editing software, but mm-hmm. um, I have no idea what that stuff actually sounded like because it's all, I'd have to uh, match the MIDI up to the sound, you know, some, some kind of similar sound in this future, you know, in a modern right. day software. Right. So, like, I learned kind of the hard way that like now that we have mp3s like if i'm recording something even if i don't know if i'm ever going to use it i make sure to make some audio files just so in case i end up upgrading yeah uh, you can go back and actually hear the stuff so that works with music you have you can make you can convert to an mp3 yeah and you may have to re-record it or whatever but at least you don't lose it right uh same with movies now but but with software not so much i guess you could you could lose um i'm I'm just i'm just talking out loud here but yeah (laughs) thinking thinking out loud but yeah um yeah that's a huh so and again i think the argument for that now is to is to open source things. But again, yeah. you can't force people to do that. So if there was source code for like those old Amiga programs, it's like, I don't know what they programmed in, but my guess would be maybe C because yeah. it's kind of a, actually, let's look that up. Amiga programming. Let's see. Amiga programming languages, cross platform libraries, brief list of languages available on Amiga assemblers. Well, no one wants to do that. Uh, basic dialects. Amiga Basic from Microsoft, A Basic from Commodore. So a couple of different basics, and then there were C compilers, Pascal, uh, Fortran. Oh, Oberon. That's interesting. Ruby. Oh, that's a surprise. Python. Okay. So it had some support for languages that we still use, even though those languages have probably moved way beyond what was available there. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, they have C. So a lot of software was probably could theoretically still be ported to, you know, a current. I mean, that's it, it's 
that's a totally different thing because then you talk about the like the GUI or the you know the graphical interface. Those types of things tend to be platform specific as well. Mm. So maybe you'd have to do like a, a Mac type of interface, and then you could hook it into you know how, what they were doing like programming wise for these applications. But it's better than nothing. Mm. Um, but again, like you can't force open source. It's a totally different. Totally, totally different thing than movies and music and and books in terms of, you know, because yeah. that that it's like that is the source. Like when you're talking about movies and and and, and music, like the final result, it, it's kind of the equivalent of the source code, right? So, right, that's a tough it, one. It's not like something that has to be interpreted by someone right. who knows the <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. Someone, someone in your living room doing right. sign language or something. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> um, that's funny. So, yeah. So, this is kind of just another step in that direction where, you know, some stuff will be lost. Um, yeah. So, I'm looking over, I'm looking over the, the marketing site. Um they are gonna. You are gonna be able to run iPhone and iPad apps on your Macs now. I don't know if that's a good thing, mm. uh, but that is gonna work. So I think we're really gonna see like a not consolidation, but uh, I think the line will blur between iPhone, iPad, and Mac apps to where you might have like an app that works on all three, and they just adapt their interface according to what you're working on. I don't know what those would be. Like, I can't imagine something that I want on my Mac that's going to be like, I really wish I had this on my phone. Like, going back to Cubase, like, you're not going to have, like, Cubase iPhone, I don't think. Um, So I don't know how much benefit we're going to have there of crossover there, but it it is happening. So there's that. Um yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, it's it's a big increase in in power efficiency. It's a big increase in performance. Uh I really think it's a big deal. I don't think like I said, I don't think there's going to be much competition in the same price range from like Windows machines right now. Mm-hmm. Uh that's a that is a tough tough lift if if you're on the uh intel and amd side i think unless they have stuff coming that you know is a a huge change that no one's really aware of but that's a tough one (laughs) i have a quick question before we sign off yeah um tim cook yeah all right how much do you know about him? I'm just curious about his uh, probably style. more than you know, I should. I'm, I'm into leadership gotcha. styles and all that. I'm just curious. I don't know much about him, so yeah, uh, I know a decent amount. Mm-hmm. What is your question? Uh, similar to Steve Jobs or different, or what's his what's his style? I think he is very different. Mm. Um, I think he's very, very different. Uh, I have heard he's definitely tough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's he doesn't one... come off as tough when he's presenting. 
I think that's just his person. I, I wouldn't call it a persona necessarily, but that's just his presentation style, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, one quick story I'll tell that came from a book somewhere. He used to be the, was he the COO? He was like operations manager. Basically, mm-hmm. he he came from Compaq to, which blows my mind because you know, it doesn't seem like a move that Steve Jobs would make. Like, let's hire someone from Compaq, which is mm-hmm. one of the like just goofiest computer companies of its day. I thought like they didn't even have a good reputation when at their heyday. I don't think, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was brought over to run the operations, so things like supply chain. Um, and like, I know he was the one who reduced, who got them to reduce like how much inventory they would keep on hand. So they, you know, their inventory is only like a couple weeks deep, essentially. So mm-hmm. they don't have stuff sitting around. Um, but he was like, and he was the one who was able to coordinate the giant you know machine to basically allow that to happen right mm-hmm. so like getting all the manufacturing and just having the supply chain working to a degree where it's like they're very lean um but you know operating smoothly so supposedly he's really tough and uh there's a story where he's in a in a meeting and like people would say like you need to know your stuff like down to like the letter or whatever because he will spot anything that mm-hmm. is wrong and point it out uh and if you don't have an answer like you're gonna be in trouble mm-hmm. um so one of the, one of those again coming back to the story i keep saying i'm about to say uh he's in a, a board meeting with uh, some of his executives there's an issue in china or something uh with some manufacturing there's something going on and he tells the person in charge of that, like, okay, here's what's going on. You know, we need to fix this. He keeps talking. He goes on to the next topic. A couple minutes after he's changed his topic, he turns to the person he was already talking to about the problem, and he says, why are you still here? (laughs) So the guy gets up, leaves, goes directly to the airport, and books a flight to China, and, you know, basically goes there to take care of the problem. Mm-hmm. But like that's like what he expects out of people at the level where you're working directly with them, where it's like he basically just ordered the guy to China at the drop of a hat. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't be it's down like for that. That's like a someone in a movie. Yeah. Like a villain in a movie. Like, yeah. So it's his just, hench, henchman <laughs> sends him yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to think. Like he has that level of dedication to his work, and that's probably what it takes uh, if you're at that level at a company like Apple, right? Like you're yeah. basically living to work there. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't have much of a life, but then like the people around you, it's like that's what you expect out of them, and you have no problem asking that of someone. Um, and in his opinion, at that point, it seemed to be I shouldn't even have to ask this person. Like, what are you still doing here? Yeah. So I've read he's really tough, mm-hmm. uh, and that is one story to uh, be an example of that, I guess. Yeah. But uh, what what was the what was like the gist of of wondering that or like what was the angle? I don't know. I just curious because we've talked so much about Steve Jobs. I was curious. Yeah. The man that's 
took his place or the man that's in charge now what's yeah. like you know i see him whenever they do these events and he he seems soft and i don't mean soft like weak but just yeah like, uh like a kind person and i'm and i'm sure there's more to it than that i mean i i figured there was more to it than that but yeah I mean, he could be kind and just demand a heck, a heck of a lot out of you. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 it is possible to be both. I do believe that. But um, uh, they sure do give him a lot of space when he, <laughs> when he presents, when they, like yeah. physical space, where they clear out the whole complex and. Oh, oh, you mean like in the videos? Yeah, the way they yeah, present. It's yeah, kind of a cool. It's kind of like cool the way it, they do it. Yeah. Looks like he's the only person in that massive building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know what they're doing there. Um, but I I would, uh, you know what? And I think, though, like, go ahead. And it's choreographed, too. Like, he oh, turns yeah. to one camera and then turns to, I mean, it's it's pretty, everything seemed very deliberate in those. In oh, those yeah. Videos. They're highly, they're highly produced. Yeah. Like, they're, they're professionally done for sure. But very, like very, um, What's the word? Like, it's all very stripped down. Like their mm-hmm. brand is. We've talked about this. The way they, the way they brand products. Mm-hmm. Like they're very clean. Yeah. And the and the presentation of the property and the it, it's all very clean and yeah, spacious and it's. I think I think it's all very deliberate, which is pretty, pretty smart. I think the way they do that. But anyway, yeah, no, a, they are. Side, they are, side note. Yeah. No, they're extremely detail oriented. Um, I mean, you could make the argument that they're not with everything. I was going to say they're extremely de- detail oriented with with just about everything that they do, uh, and everything is very much like about branding and being on brand. And mm-hmm. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say you compare that to like some of the Microsoft product uh, reveals that we've discussed, like the Surface Duo one. Yeah. And how it was like this behind the scenes. It, you know what it looked like in comparison? It looked like you're watching the Home Shopping Network. <laughs> uh, if you watch that that Panos Pane presentation of yeah. the Surface Duo, where he's talking about, um, yeah, it's uh, on our website. Oh yeah, I forget what word he kept using. It wasn't positions. It was there was some word that he kept using. I'm like, man, this sounds so corporate. He was just talking about like configuration or something. But it was just so like corny, and it just went on for ages. And it was again, it was like I remember looking at it and thinking like right away, like no one's gonna buy this. And you know what? I haven't heard a thing about it since it launched. I haven't seen news stories about it. I saw tons of bad reviews. Yeah. Uh, But again, that's that's the kind of thing that like I just feel like should have never made it out the door in the way that it did. Because it's yeah. obvious to me that no one's going to spend almost two thousand dollars. So you, we're talking about prices. You get this Mac Mini or a MacBook Air for they both start under a thousand dollars and have like this world-beating performance in a product that people already love. Like the MacBook Air is hugely popular. Um, and then you talk about oh well, Microsoft brings out a two thousand dollar foldable book that does nothing and it's like super <laughs> buggy. It's like yeah. come on, like what are you guys doing? Uh, but what I was going to say about Tim Cook was, I actually really don't think he's a, and this is not a unique opinion, but I don't think he's much of a product person. Mm-hmm. Like everybody said, Steve Jobs is like the ultimate product person. He understands what makes a product good uh, or bad, and he could, you know, 
he had that guidance and he was so detail oriented again that he would be directly involved with the development of new products whereas most CEOs do not do that they don't get involved and there's actually a story another story about when Johnny Ive was on uh, was still at Apple who was like a lead designer guy very famous and that he was showing I don't know if it's true or not but the story was when they unveiled the Mac Pro and they had it on display after the show the most recent Mac Pro, which was 2019, mm-hmm. that Johnny Ive was actually explaining <laughs> the parts of it to Tim Cook, like at the show. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, it would mean he had never seen it before up close. Oh wow! And that they even said that his response was, and again, this is total hearsay. Can it might not be true, but like it's almost believable. So that's kind of the point. Was that Tim Cook's response after he showed it was like, "Oh yeah, I get it. It's a computer," and it's like, "Okay, it's just it's a totally different. If that's true, mm-hmm. it's a completely different mindset and approach than Steve Jobs." Um, and I, I I still really like almost all the Apple stuff, and I still think it's definitely better than the competition, but it's still not quite the same as when. Steve Jobs was around, and I really wonder what the direction, what it would look like now, mm. if he was still around, if they had made some of the same choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, impossible to know, so you can only speculate. But um, yeah, he's very different. He's very different, but he is tough. So mm. that's probably the one thing they have in common. Interesting. Well, there's yeah. another future episode. Yeah, that's four tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the in terms of the event, I think that covers most of what we were looking at. Uh, again, kind of a historical day. These things have only happened two or three times in the past. Uh, I I can't remember if if the original Mac ran on PowerPC, so. I don't remember if that was the first change going from PowerPC to Intel back in mm. 2005 or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know if that's true. So again, really big deal, kind of the start of, an, of a new future for the platform. And based on what they've shown so far, like just massive promise for what's coming in the next couple of years. Mm. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. But um yeah, and it seemed think... to seem to get less attention than the iPhone 12 reveal. From what I <sighs> gathered, um, yeah, probably in general, and well, there's there's probably reasons for that. I I mean the the iPhone is probably one of the most singular successful consumer products ever made. Mm. It's definitely more popular than the Mac. In general, I think they sell a lot more iOS devices than Mac devices, but the Mac is doing better than it ever has, I believe, in terms mm. of how many units they're selling and all that. So it's doing really well. But I, it's the, the iPhone is definitely uh, a more popular consumer product. And what we're talking about right now is not a consumer-friendly topic. It's mm-hmm. not something that is, you know, that you're going to explain to the average person. They're like, oh, yeah, like I want a new 
MacBook Air. Maybe if you tell them, oh, you get 20 hours now of usage on your MacBook Air. Like that's a that's something that sells to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and that's the kind of thing that like a lot of like computer nerdy people that are into this stuff like myself don't understand. So I get really excited about this stuff um, because to me it's interesting. A lot of people don't get again in our field and this like goes back to the difference between apple and microsoft is that i think apple does understand this and i don't think as a company microsoft does because it's they call it speeds and feeds which is like talking about like performance of something like oh we're marketing our computer with how many gigabytes of ram how like what your gigahertz of your cpu is average consumer doesn't care when you tell the average consumer, like, you can use your bat- uh, your laptop all day, never have to plug it in, don't even have to worry about it. They say, well, that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that that would appeal to much more of a mass audience. Right. So if we're talking about those kinds of things, um, you know, those might be interesting to users. But again, it's most people are not going to care about, oh, we've gone from Intel to this Apple chip. They're just mm-hmm. not. But they, mm-hmm. they would care about the benefits but Apple's already kind of led in those departments anyway, so it's just going to be like kind of the next iteration of that. Mm-hmm. But again, I think the comparison, that, again, in those areas that people care about is going to become so much bigger. Um, they'll be able to market on those things. And you know what? You know what's interesting about that, actually, now that I think about it? at the end of the At the end of the show, I don't know if you noticed this or saw this, I don't know if you remember the old Mac versus PC computers. It had the Justin Long guy yeah, with the Mac. Yeah. They brought the PC guy back. Oh, no way. Uh, and he just he gave like this little, and it was like a total throwback to those old computers. Justin Long wasn't there, but mm-hmm. uh, the PC guy was. And he was just saying like, I don't know. He was, he was just, it was again, it was like a jokey commercial. Yeah. But it was kind of saying like how he's not, he was trying to say he's still relevant. Yeah. Uh. Um, and it's almost like they're going to be able to bring that kind of comparison back because the difference is going to be so big, right? That uh, they might yeah. start getting into that again. I don't know. I forgot about those commercials. Yeah, yeah, they were a they were a big hit and they were yeah. popular. Um, but it's gonna, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they what they do <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, Justin Long was like super secure, and yeah, uh, the other guy was always trying to live up to him. That was funny. Right, right. That was pretty clever. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I'm sure that's uh, easily viewable on on YouTube uh, if you were interested. Um, but yeah, so there, the there. The uh, old commercials, you mean? No, the new one. The, the oh, new okay. Thing just did. Oh, it's yeah, only yeah. like a minute long. It's. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do more of that stuff, but. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I don't know uh, how to put this, but yeah. <laughs> the question is, will they smell of rich mahogany, <laughs> um, yeah. or something like that? Anyway, a glass uh, case of emotion. <laughs> so I think uh, I think we covered it, though. What do you think? That was good. That yeah. was thorough and good. So you know what by. The, by this time next week, or maybe in two weeks, we'll probably have some more benchmarks with the uh, uh, with the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think for now we're good. 
So uh, until next time, uh, I'm Jared Moranti. And I am Justin Moranti. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. All right. See you all. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to The Wild Loop. And if you would like to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell anyone you know that loves tech to subscribe as well. The Wild Loop is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.